0: of people think they know and understand the church. And lots of people who who don't read the Bible are defining the church. And I thought, man, I I think it's time for the church to know what the church is and who the church is. Amen? And I think we need to have a good understanding about who the church is. And so that when um, others try and define us, we can say, no, that's not who we are, that's not what we are, that's not what we're for, because there's no shortage of people who know what the church is against. But do they know what we're for, what we're about, what we're called to do, how we're called to live? And I think the church needs to make a bigger noise about who we are and what we're for. Amen? Is there a good consensus in the house of God this morning? And so I want to go down a journey. I want to take, I, I look, I've been doing a bit of research and reading and studying and, and praying about this, and there's no shortage of things that I could say. It's like, what don't I say? I've got a, two hours to preach right now, and I've got to try and fit something in that time slot. I mean, a few of you look nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a matter of what don't I say. There's so much I could say about the church. And so I want to start this journey this morning, if you'd let me, in talking about the church. But let's pray. Pray for me because I need the Spirit of God because there's some things about the church. You know, Peter made a declaration about Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, um, no flesh, no man um, told you that, but the Spirit of God did. And there's something about understanding God that nobody can teach us. There's parts of God that nobody can can teach us. The Spirit of God needs to lead us into that truth. And that's why I pray to set that time aside and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, lead us into truth. Amen? Is that right, church? So pray for me as I'm praying for you, and let's believe this morning. Father, I thank you for the ability to sit in a place like this and come under the teaching of God. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, teach us this morning. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. Allow me, enable me, empower me to be a preacher today to declare the truths of the gospel. Holy Spirit, we honor you today, and we know it's your work that helps us understand the Father. So come and do a work in our hearts and our minds today. Oh, we surrender to you. Lord, we, we allow you to teach us and challenge us and correct us where's needed. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, oh, everyone said, amen. See, the Bible teaches us that Jesus has a passion and a purpose for the church. You and I are the church, and the Bible teaches us that Jesus has a passion and Jesus has a purpose for the church. The church of God is often defined as a meeting place or or a group of dysfunctionals coming together. Yeah, I mean, it's said that about you, church. And da- no, 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 let's not go there. And it, lots of people d- d- think they have the ability to define the church, but that's been done by the Word of God. That's been done by Jesus Christ. And he said, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. And one of the beauties is that he said he'll build it. But let me read you a bit of something now. I'm taking the time to pen. See, as we look at the early church in the book of Acts, we see that there were people of roots, and people of reach, constantly growing deeper as a community of believers. And on that basis, going out and reaching the world. So they had strong roots and the roots were uh, were about Jesus Christ. The fact that they had encountered Jesus Christ. They had lived and walked with him. That, that they knew him. They knew that he was the way, the truth. And the life, that's where their roots went deep into. But they were people not only of roots, but they were people of reach. And so their roots enabled them to reach and have impact in the early world that they lived in. Amen? Those times in the early church and the times that they lived in. In the beginning, the church was a gloriously messy movement of people. And sometimes we we have this tendency to tidy church up. But as we look at the early church, it was messy and there was betrayal and there was death and blood and and confusion and misunderstanding of times and seasons and it was gloriously messy. It is unbelievable that the the, the church survived its early years. It's unbelievable. A small group of Jewish rebels defied an economic superpower and a long-standing religious system that had been in place for thousands of years, generations. This motley crew of Jewish guys who just thought, "This is the Jesus Christ is the way, and we're going to do everything to tell others about him." And so, in doing so, they defied an economic superpower and a religious system that had been in place for for. Um, Thousands of years. But just 12, starting with 12 guys. Went down 11 and brought back up to 12. It's a bit of confused awkward moment in the church history there. But one guy betraying Jesus. Don't want to talk about it right now. Right? Another conversation. See, but they did all this. They they, they they risked life and limb, everything for one reason. They had been and believed in carpenter in his early 30s who had a vision, a plan, who had power, and he said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They took those words, they received salvation, and they decided to live on mission. And friend, what you've got to understand today Is no different from back then. We're to receive salvation, which is a free gift from Jesus Christ, and then put our roots down deep into the truths of the gospel and then reach out as much as we possibly can in this life. Amen? So we too are a people of roots and reach because Jesus does have a purpose and a passion for his church. You see... Jesus turned to Peter and says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, one thing I want to talk about this morning is this group of people called the church. See, we're not defined, and we shouldn't be defined by just a group of people meeting on a Sunday. It doesn't complete the definition. That's not enough. We should not not only be defined by who comes into this place, but who goes out and how do they go out. See, because... The church is not just a group of people with issues that found some common ground and happy to meet together. The Bible says very differently about us. The, the Bible describes us very differently. And I want you to carry this definition that I give you this morning. Like I said, there's so much that I can say about the church, but I want you to carry this. I've, I've narrowed it down to one point for this morning. I'll share that point with you in a moment, but I want you to carry this definition of the church as we go on, it's found in First Peter chapter two, verse nine to eleven. First Peter chapter two, verses nine to eleven. You give me a good amen when you got it. Just want to give those turning in their Bibles a chance to get there. First Peter chapter two, verse nine to eleven. This will be the basis of our sermon this morning. Hallelujah. And this is what the word of God says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now, this is true of everyone who sits in this place today. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. That's the church. That's the definition of church that we agree with. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. You see, friend, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, just defines, begins to define the church. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. That's the church. That's the church that you are part of. That's who you are. Ah, God's very own possession. And here's the one point I want you to take away from this sermon today. I want you to remember this, friend. I want you to remember this. What you should know about the church is this. Those who come to Jesus aren't the same as those who go from him. I, I, I want you I want to explain this. I'll use the rest of my time with you today to explain this statement. But those who come to Jesus aren't the same as those he sends out. Those who come to Jesus aren't the same as those he sends out. Not the same people. Not the same people. First Peter chapter 2, 9, remember? But you are not like that. You are a chosen people, a royal you are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession let me let me furnish let me let me put some flesh to that thought that i just gave you that those who come to jesus aren't the same as those he sends out abraham abram came to jesus came to god infertile he came to him discouraged too old to have purpose and destiny with no means of bringing his dream and vision to pass himself but he went away from god Abraham, father of many nations, blessed, and one who carried the blessing for many families, for the whole earth, in fact. He came to God, Abram, but went from God, Abraham, a blessed man, a changed man, God's very own possession, not like he was before, a chosen person, chosen by God, a royal priest, a holy nation. See, those who come to God aren't the same people that go from Him. To the church, those who come to church aren't the same. Daly came to church, one man, I'll pick on Daly this morning. Hopefully mess with his mind a little before I take him on the tennis court this afternoon. Put some fear in his heart, amen. Church, help me out with this one. But he came into church one man. But the man who went through the waters of baptism today and came out is not the same person. He came to Jesus one way, but he's leaving a whole new person. Come on, I'm starting to define the church trying to help you understand. I want you to carry a vision for the church because this is what inspired me as as an early believer, as a 12, 13-year-old believer coming to Christ. I started to realize that these people are different. They're not the same as what I encounter at school and out in the world. They're not the same. And that's true to the Bible because you sit here today and you're not the same person who once walked. If you are, friend, you need to come to Jesus. Not to to church at the Nepal Conference. You need to come to Jesus because those who come to him walk away different. Abraham's wife, Sarai, came to the father, a doubter, fearful, and proven to be be a happy liar and a schemer. But after an encounter, after being with God and seeing the faithfulness of God, uh, her name was changed to Sarah which means pure, happy, a princess, came to Him one way, and God did not reject her because she was flawed and and a liar. We can't work with liars. We can't work with schemers. No, she came to God one way and walked away a totally different person. She was part of the promise and the plan of God. She was part of it. And that defines the church. Every single one of you, us collectively, we are part of His purpose, we are part of His passion. We've come to Him one way, liars, schemers, deceivers. Yes, you, yes, me. We came to Him fearful, doubting, with a checkered background, reason to be disqualified and not trusted with the plans of the Most High God. But he chose you anyway, and he calls you a chosen people. Handpicked. That's who you are. That's the church. It's a big deal. The church is a big deal. Amen, friend? Big deal. To, to God came Jacob with a background of trouble. RJ, a background of trouble, a schemer, a deceiver. One who knew how to work it out, not Ajay, Jacob. I don't know why I see, I don't know why Ajay came out of my mouth at that point. A checkered background. But God changed his name, changed his identity, and from God he became Israel. And Israel means that he has been saved by God. He has been saved by God. And any time anybody tried to say, but aren't you Jacob? He said, no, I am a new person. Name is totally changed. I am Israel. I have been saved by God. Amen? Saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from the power of sin. Saved from my past. I've been saved by God. And you can say the same as the church of God. New identity. I'm not the same person. And friend, if you still feel that you are, come on, talk to me. I want to tell you how much you've changed because you've got Jesus in your life. I want to stand with you and help you make a commitment by taking, leading you through a prayer and may, helping you make a commitment to Jesus Christ that you'll have to live out. But friend, you come to God and, and we walk away changed, different, saved, renewed, chosen, a royal priesthood. And so I look around this morning, and when I pray for our city, and friend, trust me, I do this a lot, I pray for our city. Thank God, help us reach our city. There's so many people in so many different ways that need you. There's so many more Byrons out there who need you. If they don't have you, God, they're they're destined to fail. And then I look, and what gives me hope is I look at the church. I say, no, it's not a dysfunctional group of people with issues. This is a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In fact, Jesus said that all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Now go. So to this royal priesthood, it's not just flattery. He actually has authority and power that's been given to the church. And he says, now go. Go. And so, friend, we may look too small to have an impact on our city, but I want you to know the truth about the church. This is what you should know about the church. All the authority that's been given to Jesus is made accessible to the church. You and me. So we can change environments. We can influence situations, communities, groups, businesses, families. We can do that because we are the church, not the same people who came to him. A totally new people. Is somebody with me today? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. You see, one of the ways we've been defined as a church is that we, we always want something from people. In fact, the truth is we want something for people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Friend, the Bible says about the church, you and me, that when we encounter God and we accept His salvation and we're born again, in fact, what happens? In fact, what happens is that the old has gone and the new has come. You see, those who come to God are not the same as those He sends out. Come on, you see, it was confusing to the early, um, to those around the early church, to the world around the early church. It would say things like, "Isn't isn't that just Peter and isn't I know these guys? They're just unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus." So the world had to catch up that, hey, we're not the same as those who walked in the room. We'd been with Jesus. There's now power made available to us. Amen. There's somebody with me this morning, the old has gone. This, this means, the old is gone. This means that you cannot keep living life where you are anticipating your old nature to keep coming to the surface. That's what it means, church. You can, you can no longer be anticipating, oh, this is, what I've, this is what I've always been like. In fact, in these situations, I, I used to be like this. Oh, man, there's this situation again. I know how I respond in these situations. And I was anticipating, almost calling back my old life, expecting it to respond a certain way to people, to a situation, to an environment. But the church has got to remember that we're not the same as those who came to them, as we're, we're, how we were when we came to them. And so stop anticipating. If you were, fear, if you were a faithful person with a natural propensity to unbelief, now you're a bold, courageous, and faithful person. And expect that to be the response now. Expect that. Expect that. Anticipate that. If you were a headstrong and proud person, now that sinful nature is gone, and you respond humbly and patiently. Amen? Come on, anticipate that now. Anticipate your new nature. Anticipate your new nature. If you were once a person living a double life with secrets and lies, Now you have a new standard of integrity, honor, honesty, and anticipate that. Correct yourself when you start thinking that way. Anticipate your new nature in response to life now. Is somebody hearing me now? Come on, this is the church. This is what God expects going out. And my fear is, is that we have been changed, but we're still thinking and responding and anticipating our old nature. That's my fear, is that you have been changed. You're a new creature. Creature, that's Hebrew. I'm not going to take the time to explain it. Don't laugh at me, Jim, I'm trying. Come on. You're a new creature, totally made new in Christ. And I'm reminding you, as the church of God, you no longer struggle with who you were. You just need to remind yourself. I respond. I anticipate a new nature coming forward. Now, you see that um, 1 Peter chapter two nine says, as a result, you can you can show others the goodness of God. You for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light because God's given you this new um, nature. You're a new substance. For that reason, as a result, the Word of God says, you can show others the goodness of God. Come on, friend, that's that's what we're called to do. Now that we're a new nature, now that we're, we're a new creature, we're living in this new nature, we have the ability now to show others the goodness of God. So your life now becomes the message. Your life, your new nature becomes the message, because the world now anticipates of you to respond in anger, to respond in lies, to respond in fear, to respond proud, but in that moment, your new nature comes forward, and you have the opportunity to show that you are new, that you have encountered God. Amen. Come on, I think we should. We've got a great opportunity to surprise and confuse the world. Amen. Like what? I knew that guy. I remember when, when I first started my journey on Facebook, on mission on Facebook, and I remember f- school friends jumping on there, and say I remember some on my Facebook, on my public Facebook wall, and a private message. Byron, are you still doing that? I said, no, man. Do not delete that off my. I'm a, a man of the class now, brother. Do not tell my wife I did this. It's like, oh, we should meet your old school friends, but Hannah, no. Okay, they might contaminate us. No, 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 no. But a new nature, a new nature. Come on, anticipate it, expect it, be inspired by it on a daily basis. No, I'm not that person who responded that way. Now, now let me before... I'll try and tie all this up together. But before I do that, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. Because I now wanted to tie this back into mission. Because the church is not just um, made that way, called that way to just be happy that way. Great that you are, but now you have this wonderful opportunity to show the glory of God, the goodness of God. And we can do that through mission. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19 to 23 says, as Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, this is what he says Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I live like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with when I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. For, I'm, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Are you hearing this, church? Doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. This is what I want to tell you about this passage of Scripture. Great passage of Scripture. I love it. Great reminder to me as I live on mission. But this is what I want to tell you about this. What we do as a church, what you do as an individual is defined by Scripture. But what Paul is showing us here is that some of the things we do is determined by the culture. So what we do as a church is defined and determined by Scripture. What we do. But Paul says that How we do it, how we uh, how we reach people, so how we worship, what we do is we worship. But how we do it here in Auckland, New Zealand, is defined by our culture, so that we can reach as many as possible. How, when I go to India, what we do is defined by Scripture. We worship God, but how we do it there is determined by the culture. So that we can reach as many, somebody with me, as many people as possible. So now this new nature person, let me link the two. This new nature person, it starts to learn, remember, puts their roots deep and is, and lets the Bible tell them how they live, what they do. And then they look out as a missionary to the world we live in and say, how can we best reach as many as possible? Amen. Is that right, church? So that's what we do with this new nature. What we we do is defined by Scripture. So we break bread and we fellowship. We have people in our homes. We love on people. But how we do that is that we look, and this is what I'm inspiring our church to do, is look up and say, what is the culture around us? How can we best connect with these people? Is somebody with me this morning? Now, friend, what I want to tell you today is that in, in, in this body of believers, of ourselves, we anticipate a new nature. But of, for others and of others, come on, don't hold them to their old nature. Don't hold them to their old nature. Because when, when we can anticipate their new nature, And we can expect the very best when we can move forward on mission as a church, leave none behind. Everybody who comes in finds that this is a place of destiny and purpose and love and fulfillment. They can find that they can meet God here. They can worship Him and encounter Him. They can trust people here because we don't hold the old nature to them. And say, actually, we just got to wait a bit because... Come on, we use wisdom, but we, just, we don't say, man, you've got a history of this. And we won't allow you in there. But come on, we, we're saying people have a new nature. That is the church. They have a new nature, and we expect a new nature. They expect a new nature. And so together we go live on mission, trying to reach as many as possible. And so how we do that changes and shifts, and, and 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 we keep looking at how it's the best way to do that, and all the while reaching as many people as possible. Let me tell you, this is the thought I want you to go with today. Those who come to Him aren't the same as those who go away from Him. Not the same. Not even slightly. New creature, creation. Dave, don't smile new new creation new creature new name.